Hey everybody, welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. It's Jim Vavita, joined as always by Chris Carl. Hello everyone. Uh, this will be our final podcast of 2012. Uh, we're going on a holiday break next weekend, so we'll see you all back in the new year. And that's it for the podcast, so thanks for listening. <laughs> um, uh, so it'll be uh, probably one at the end of the first week in January. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about the uh, little some, old Hobbit. Some motion pictures. Uh, so the Hobbit, an unexpected journey. And unexpectedly... Uh, did as expected. Uh, but uh, I think we... We highballed it a little bit on what yeah. we thought it would make last week, and it lot. debuted with um, 84.6. Now, mind you, it is an almost three-hour movie, but it was in 3D and uh, 48 frames, although not in too many theaters in 48 frames. Plus, it was also in IMAX, so there were a lot of higher ticket price options there, but it made $84.6 million. It's the, the biggest, uh, I believe, biggest December debut. It's made... Uh, about 240 million worldwide so far, um, so not not doing bad, not, doing doing pretty not, good. Not too terribly shabby. <laughs> yeah, I think they're I think they'll be happy with that. Um, but yeah, you called it at 109 opening. I thought it'd make 105. Again, it made just about a little under 85. See, if I was working for the studio, I'd be fired. Yeah, you would me. I'd be fired. Uh, this is my prediction. Uh, it was a twenty million dollars. Uh, boss, over. we're gonna we're gonna really clean up. Yeah. Until, um, so yeah, uh, did you finally see it? No. So here's what happened. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I was all I was all set to see it last night, and I I, I tend to do everything late, you know, like late at night, <laughs> and so I was all I was all ready to go see it at the ArcLight, and. Uh, was going to go to an 11.30 showing, if you can believe that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, late. That's what I'm telling you. And uh, You realize you want to get home till after 3, right? Yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> okay. normal for me anyway. Um, so, <laughs> and then I found out it was 3D, 48 frames, and my heart sank. I was like, I'm not going to go watch it like that. Yeah. Uh, I need to go see it in 24. So, um, I'm instead going to see it tonight. So, we'll see it tonight, and yeah. we'll, we'll be able to discuss it. Maybe if anybody cares <laughs> in January. Uh, yeah, we're we're actually taping this on on Wednesday. I'm out of town later this week, so hence the early podcast. But um, uh, go see if you can't go see it in um, 24 frames IMAX. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it. I, I, that's I, I want to see that. that I wanted to do that combination. I wanted to do 28 frames IMAX 3D. There's so many iterations that you can go yeah, do. Yeah, really can are. Go see it like 35 millimeter too. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'd probably go see the movie one more. I've seen it twice. Look, I liked the movie. I thought it was good, not great. Um, a lot of people seem to be hating on it, and a lot of people seem to be really enthusiastic about it. Um, we had a really, uh, you know, the San Francisco office all went to go see it uh, same day, pretty much, and that you know we have we have a, a, a you know our main offices are up in San Francisco all the gaming stuff and we're based in um in in LA but so they all went to go see it the same day and um you know it was really split right down the middle there were some passionate yeah. people on both sides and then there were some people in the middle who were kind of like yeah it was it was really good it wasn't great but it was really good you know it was kind of like your uh, opinion I think they saw it in 48 frames didn't yeah they? and they did they did <sighs> I, I think that affects chose sort do. of your first yeah, you know, I, I have yet to it. meet, uh, I think there was only really one person that I've personally talked to whose first time seeing it in 48 frames uh, was met with a positive reaction, and a lot of people I know who saw it in 24 frames uh, seemed to like the movie. 
So I feel like the the fact that you were constantly perhaps taken out of it on the on the technical issue of the movie uh, seems to have been to its detriment. But I'm wondering how this opening like will affect things like other people deciding to shoot in 48 frames or present in 48 frames. I mean, there does seem to be the the reactions that I've I've read on our site and elsewhere. And again, I mean. When I was saying about people, only people I've talked to who've seen it in 48 didn't like it. But the general reaction that I've noticed from a lot of readers was they liked 48. Hmm. I mean, th- this is a younger generation raised on high-def TVs and on video games that have that kind of look. So I think their eye is more trained to accepting essentially video quality. Whereas people who are raised strictly on just 24 frames... Um, they're the ones who are having the real hard time kind of adjusting to it. It might be that my eyes are like nostalgic and just want to keep things the way they are and all that stuff. And but it might also be that it just looks like shit in 48 <laughs> frames. There, so I mean, there's like, always that be, option. I mean, it's 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 similar. I feel like the, the way people talk about this is the way that people talk about 3D. And in sound. That, and sound. Like the way that people <laughs> talk about 3D, generally negative, I think. But yeah. there are those standout yeah, experiences still like pay to see it Life of Pi and yeah. um, and Avatar being the probably the biggest sort of... A lot of people want to see Avengers in 3D. Well, I thought Avengers in 3D was good, but it didn't need to be in 3D. It yeah, just, I mean, to me, it didn't really... didn't detract from the movie. It just didn't add anything to it. It didn't add enough for me in order to like be, hey, like if I paid for that movie, I went to go see a screen. But if I had paid for it, I was like, I don't know if I added enough to like add to my t- ticket price. I saw, um, you know, the Star Trek Into Darkness IMAX preview in, in 3D. And uh, that looked fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, they have some like stuff flying at the camera kind of thing. But I do wonder if that won't make it instantly the most gimmicky of Star Trek movies. Like, what if the right. future Trek movies aren't in 3D? Right, right. You know, this will be like their Jaws uh, Jaws 3D, you know? <laughs> Except it'll be a good movie with yeah. actual good story. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's segue into talking about uh, Star Trek. We did a Rewind Theater this week in the yeah. new trailer. We're thinking a lot about Star Trek this week. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... The, the, the movie is picking up steam with uh, you guys, with readers. Uh, certainly a lot more eyeballs going to those articles now than there was even a few months ago uh let's start with a reader email this one because it ties into something we said in the rewind theater joseph kaufman from louisville kentucky writes uh, a friend of his thinks that a, a friend of mine thinks khan is the villain mm-hmm. um and he thinks it comes in a one line of dialogue is there anything you would not do for your family um uh, He's convinced Khan is attempting to free the other cryos, his family, from their sleep. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and when Khan fails, he sets in motion a plot of revenge against Kirk and Starfleet. Um, well, the movie's called Vengeance in Russia, right? It's well, yeah. Star Trek Vengeance. Well, they're, they're changing it now because uh, the outcry of Trekkers anywhere in the world, even in Russia... We'll go batshit if they don't like it. So uh, <laughs> they they want it to be kept Star Trek into darkness. So I mean, obviously, vengeance is a theme here, and I mean, it's it's obvious from the trailer. But um, I don't think Harrison is actual Khan. We talked about this in the Rewind Theater. You guys should check it out. You can either check it out on IGN or check it out on YouTube. Just uh, Rewind Theater Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Uh, that's your search term. So, I mean, I honestly think that it's probably. That he is working for Khan or working to free Khan. He could even be Khan's brother. 
or somebody so remember, in his family. Remember, Khan was a, he was a war criminal and he fled Earth. Right. And so, I mean, I guess walking around even a couple of centuries later under your real name, you're going to attract some heat. Yeah. And uh, he probably wants to stay a free man. Yeah. I I mean, I think, well, you know, we, we've analyzed the trailer a whole bunch, but I think what we haven't talked about is that it's just a really good trailer. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. Like, it really sets the stage for that movie. I'm way more excited about that movie than it was. It's definitely an and, ominous tone to it. Yeah. And, and th- haven't they come out and said, like, this is going to be a darker... Well... J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, we did a, a press event at his company, Bad Robot, recently, and he's like, it, there is darkness in the movie, but it's also meant to be a fun adventure uh, film, too. And if you see the IMAX preview, when you go to see The Hobbit, try and I, there's some lists online that will show you where um, the, the Trek IMAX preview is playing cool. with certain Hobbit showings, so maybe you can catch both. Um, uh he said that, you know, it, it's still meant to be a fun adventure film. I'm really excited about seeing the Klingon planet. That's like, yeah. uh, of of all the stuff that's revealed in that trailer, that's what I really, really want to check out. Yeah, not many palm trees there. Not so much. It's it pretty a, bleak. You don't see all that many puppies around. I imagine yeah. that they're going to have some kind of like weird lizard pets. No, yeah, remember uh, Commander Krug, uh, Christopher Lloyd's uh, space dog crocodile thing in a... Um, he gets killed in oh, Star Trek Three, and he's all bummed out. Yeah. yeah, and it was all toasty, dude. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of pet that a Klingon would keep. I want to see the indigenous life on that planet. Yeah, that'd actually be pretty cool. You know, that's one thing <clears throat> that we don't get a lot from from Trek is seeing like wildlife on these planets. They're, the movies are doing it more. I mean, no, I mean the old Trek series they made a lot of like dangerous plants. Right, um, but you don't see like a lot of animals, and that was a budget thing back then. But they had a couple of funky killer bear type things in the old show. It was always some guy in like a. They always looked like a version of uh, the abominable snowman from those <laughs> Santa Claus specials. What do you think the likelihood is of a Star Trek TV show coming back on the air that kind of exists in this newer rebooted universe? I think it's. I think it's definitely possible. What they would probably do is, they they. Was certainly crunch numbers and see if I mean, the last few Trek series didn't do that well. Right. Um, so I mean, you'd have to have the argument of when you have now a pretty successful film franchise, um, why return to the small screen and risk damaging that? I mean, unless you're going to do some sort of spinoff of maybe the next gen characters, I don't know if any of the other existing ones are. Uh, still have his, have the kind of legs to carry a new series. Would be interesting to see like a I don't know. Starfleet. I'd like I'd like to see like a Starfleet um, based, sh- you know, like show where it's like Starfleet Academy or something. like CSI that. CSI Starfleet. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Follow I mean, the red shirts. <laughs> exactly. Actually, yeah, red just, shirts would be good. You do it like like a grunts style thing. Yeah, each time and they all just like yeah. you see one die every episode. Well, it's like it's like uh, Game of Thrones or any of these cable shows where it's like, yeah, look, just because you're on the show doesn't mean you're gonna last all season. <laughs> That's true. You know. That's true. Good way to keep your actors in line. Um, so yeah, check out uh, our rewind theater on that. And thank you, Joseph, for the question. I want to talk about one total non sequitur piece of news that has me super excited from this last week. Okay. Willow on Blu-ray. We didn't <laughs> talk about it, but Matt Modigan, wait. <laughs> this, I mean, honestly, 
to be completely honest, this is the movie I've been waiting for on Blu-ray more than any other movie, pretty much. I hope it looks good. I hope they clean up the print and stuff. They have to. They have to. Like yeah. some of the, the, the like stop-motion monster, they have to do some some work there. They have yeah. to do a bunch of stuff. But um, I'm really excited to see that movie again, like in a probably even a better experience than I watched I it in the theater. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I, I really do want to see it. I don't remember hating it. Uh, I, I don't... Re- it was... Of that period of time of like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, where there were a lot of these kind of uh, Tolkien uh, fantasy world wannabe kind of things that came right. along that actually ended up developing big cult followings right. like Labyrinth, like Dark Crystal, like Willow. Um, then we also had around that time like Flight of the Navigator and all these other ones. And I think Willow was the most ambitious of them, the most like oh, yeah. the closest to like an actual. Hey, this is what a Lord of the Rings movie could be, and I think yeah. that's you know I I had been reading it certainly looked like it yeah exactly you know? I was I was kind of reading Lord of the Rings around that time and and Terran Wanderer and the whole Chronicles of Perdane series yeah. which still I would love love to see a movie or hell get the rights to it and make it myself there I don't know go. whatever um, <laughs> I would love to see the Chronicles of Perdane on the movie screen it'd be amazing but anyway super excited that yeah. Willow's coming to Blu-ray and you know it's funny uh, Warwick Davis um, yeah I talked to him last year. A little bit around uh, some leprechaun VOD thing that yeah. they were doing on TV, and I was just like, "Hey, I'm going to use this as an ex- you know an excuse to talk to Willow and Wicket and nice and, and the leprechaun." And uh, he was really he was really excited about the prospect of Blu-ray too, and and but obviously didn't have any. I hope on his it. middle name is like Michael or Martin, so we can call him WMD. <laughs> That'd be his hip hop name. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, you know, I remember with Willow too the. Um, the production design and the costumes and, and definitely it, it had that sort of stony look that we would come to expect from uh, the Tolkien movies. And I think what people were hoping with uh, from the first Thor um, and definitely like Game of Thrones has that. Right. So I do feel like they were a little ahead of their time in that regard. It was nice. I mean, I, th- I think it was a good sort of companion piece to Star Wars in a way. And then it was like, hey, Star Wars is just like, it's a fantasy, but fantasy set in space, so a lot of people confuse it for sci-fi. But you know, it's it's a sword and sorcery, you know, epic, and it's got problems, dude. I mean, of course, it's not like the perfect movie or anything. Willow, Willow or Star Wars? Willow, <laughs> both, <laughs> both probably, but like Willow definitely has problems. Um, but it's still still like lovable. It was one of those movies that I had convinced myself when I went to the theater that it was going to be one of my favorite movies of all time, you know? So you acted like an, uh, a younger IGN reader. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much you were the template for <laughs> well, I'm, all the I mean, comments. Well, I am an IGN reader, so yes, I, you know, like... I'm I, talking the pubescent era <laughs> IGN reader. No, that was me. I did that with that movie and with Batman 89. I, oh, yeah. Both of those movies I had already, like, made up in my head that I was going to love them more than anything. I, I got to tell you, though, when I when I walked out of, as soon as the credits rolled... On Batman 89, the f- I went first night, like midnight showing, whatever. First words out of my mouth were, that sucked. <laughs> really? And I made myself like it. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this movie just doesn't work. I, I made myself like uh, episode one like that. I, I uh, can remember coming out of the theater. and That's I was, a lot more work than making yourself like Batman. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I, I remember like I came out of the theater, and, and I was with a group of my friends, and I was like, yeah, pretty good, huh? And everybody was talking in those high tones. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> like, oh, your kid's so cute. Yeah. yeah oh, show me see, another photo. I went to see it like four times, you know. I went to see it with my family. We're big Star Wars fans. And, you know, I mean, 
I, I do like the movie probably more than a lot of people. Um, but I, it gave you know. us Darth Maul. Yeah, exactly. It gave us Darth Maul. It gave us Qui Gon. It gave us a bunch of stuff that's cool. And a bunch and, of stuff uh, that's uncool. Well, speaking of Star Wars, we actually have some Star Wars Episode Seven rumors. Woo, woo, woo. Now, this was buried in a Reuters story. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, uh, it was about it was tying in uh, the Mayan apocalypse, which is supposed to, which first of all, that in and of itself is misleading and untrue. People are construing the end of their calendar as the end of the world, and it's not the case. But right. this Friday. According to lore, it's the end of the world. So thanks for listening. <laughs> if and if you pay for IGN Prime, we're not refunding you for. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a little caveat in the in your user agreement that says in the event apocalyptic. of apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, it was about how the um, Yavin Four, the the Rebel home base world, and Episode Four was shot in. Guatemala, uh, the exterior is where you see the guy, the rebel guy with the little uh, radar gun and the right. temples are in front of him. Those are actual ruins, Mayan ruins in Guatemala. And those ruins are, are have not only become kind of a pilgrimage site for uh, Star Wars fans, but also for uh, the people expecting the apocalypse and just sort of Mayan enthusiasts and all the sort of renewed interest in Mayan culture. So it was a story about that, but buried in that story. And who knows? They didn't cite what their source was for this information. Maybe they just went on a message. Maybe they sent some intern to go to some <laughs> Star Wars message boards. Would be amazing. And the guy like misconstrued what he saw uh, and took it as fact. But it's Reuters, it so probably but not. But it is, it is Reuters. But they said that essentially... Yavin 4 is going to be in Episode 7 because that's going to be about how older Luke Skywalker goes back there to start the Jedi Academy to train people. Yeah, and Jedi Academy is a series of novels, Books. right? Yep. And then it, they also turn it into a game, which I played. I think I wrote a strategy guide to it when I was first working at IGN. And, you know, essentially it is. Luke shows up. He's kind of counseling these young Jedi. Yeah. And all hell bro breaks loose and the Sith are there and... Uh, it's good stuff. Now, here's one reason why I, I lend a little bit of, of credence, uh, why I feel like this one's got a little bit more credence to it than just the fact that it's from Reuters, which is Simon Kimberg has said that he's, you know, before when he was doing X-Men, he always wanted to do a new Mutants movie. He wanted to do, and this is kind of where First Class came, ended up coming from, uh, was the idea of, seeing these kind of iconic characters in their youth and, and that sort of thing. So I do wonder if, like, the Jedi Academy isn't sort of the New Mutants idea with, like, Luke is essentially Professor X. I just don't want them to be too young. If they're too young, I'm going to hate this movie. You know, like, if it's, like, they're 13-year-olds. I hope year they're olds. all whiny, like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> I just hope they're, like, of an age where I don't, I don't want to, like, murder them all. Well, I mean, they could all be kids, too. L you mean younglings? Younglings, <laughs> the the you know. The, I think I had a youngling like... beer in New York once. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, Isn't it youngling? Youngling. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, on the X Men uh, tip, X Men Days of Future Past been confirmed this week. Hugh Jackman is going to be back as as Logan as Wolverine, which we had heard. I mean, I almost took it as fact before. So it's even like on the, the speculation, yeah, even on the speculation level, it was 
it was always a pretty sound guess. Yeah. Because think about it, you know, X Men First Class was the simultaneously like probably the most acclaimed and the least successful of the X Men movies. Yeah. Arguably the uh, the most acclaimed. I mean, I know X Two's got a lot of praise too. Um, and Wolverine now, the singer also said, you know, he's not done. Like that's this yeah. is the seventh time. He'll be on screen as Wolverine. It's insane. And they're like, he's not done. Has anybody played a character in in a major like the only other one I can think of is like Roger Moore as James Bond. Yeah, he's the only one I can think of. I mean, there aren't seven installments of m- most movies. Like characters have appeared more than seven times. Like what about Jason, Gutenberg and, and Freddy? Oh, Academy. what about uh, what about Robert England as Freddy? Robert England probably is the the record holder. Uh, I don't know how many times uh, Christopher Lee played Dracula. I would imagine probably four. There's some Asian movies where like they have been done, like done thirty installments with the same actor. Uh, okay. But uh, but you know, we're talking like major Hollywood franchises. Yeah, I guess Robert England would be about how many times? Kane Hodder was only Jason a few times, right? Three times, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody, do you think it's the fact that he's got such a cool name is why people remember him? I think it's because he, when he came on to the character, like, he started doing things a little differently. He gave him a little bit more personality. He was actually acting. Yeah, he was acting a little bit. He gave the, like, head tilt. He did the, like, the real slow to speed up walk and all that stuff that you kind of associate with the character if you, you know, were younger when, like, 7, 8, 9 were happening. Um, I, I I think Kane Hunter did something cool with that character. Um yeah. You know, people will argue that it's not that much. Wait but. a minute. Anthony Daniels is C-3PO. Yeah. So he, he'd have been in, this will well, be his six. seventh movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't cl- uh, count the uh, holiday special. <laughs> we should. <laughs> it's oh, canon, man. isn't it? What are you ce- how are you celebrating Life Day? Like, oh, Friday? <laughs> no, oh. no, I mean, Life Day, isn't that the holiday and uh, the Christmas special? Oh, is it? I see. I I was being sarcastic. I haven't watched the Christmas special in ages. I remember seeing. I remember being really excited about it when I was a kid. Like when I was um, probably five years old. I'd seen Star Wars when I was four, and when I was five, that's when I started getting into all the action figures and everything. And I got my Boba Fett. You know, I think five or six. Did you have to mail away for it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole yeah. yeah. I used to love that. You'd have to cut out the proof of purchase and send it (laughs) off. It was such a right task. Yeah, I mean, it was like Kenner was brilliant for doing it that way. And then, you know, it was also just a brilliant marketing strategy for the next movie because you were going absolutely mental thinking about what Boba Fett was going to do in this movie. And I think that's why Boba Fett is such a major character in the in the Star Wars universe is because there was so much anticipation over that character. He doesn't do that much, really, on yeah. screen. He looks badass, but he doesn't do that much. And so... You th- you got to think it's part of that. Like I waited for this character to be on screen, and yeah. he did all this stuff. I th- I mean, brilliant, brilliant. Kind of yeah. awesome. I mean, uh, think about it. If they had uh, Darth Maul back in the day, people would have gone oh my God. for that. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what made that trailer so awesome. Is you saw yeah. Darth Maul, and you were like, I'm in, <laughs> dude. When he okay, so when he extends the lightsaber, and then he does the second part. I mean, yeah. the first time I saw that, I I was like, and then when they did the John Williams holy. music too in the next trailer, we're gonna do one podcast where we just it'll be like our lay Miz. We're gonna sing everything. <laughs> holy crap, dude! Yeah, the first time I saw that episode one trailer was like, I will never forget that 
watching that trailer the first time. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and we've talked about this before, but that was one of the real like seminal moments in the online movie news community where that film, Batman and Robin and Titanic a little bit before that, made the internet notorious, but for people with, you know, making negative buzz. Right. But it was Phantom Menace that really showed that the internet can is a whole new marketing frontier for a film and, and a way for fans to connect over it and, and hype it up and we should go back and do a bunch of like memes from like Batman and Robin. Like yeah. <laughs> if Batman and Robin came out today, like what what it would meet online, it would be like the Lolcats treatment. <laughs> like all that. I wonder stuff if would they happen. would. You know, somebody maybe somebody's already done this. I'm sure there's something on YouTube. Uh, but you take like Batman and Robin, but you give it like the Nolan treatment, like the music. You recut <laughs> the trailer and make it look really dark and heavy and badass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's let's move on here. Uh, Riddick getting a release date of sept- September sixth, twenty thirteen. It'll be released in regular theaters and IMAX. Now I have a new a new day that I have to live until. Yeah. <laughs> oh great. Oh great. Uh, other Vin Diesel news. He's going to play Kojak in a Universal movie that. Uh, some veteran Bond screenwriters, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, are going to uh, script. I-, I think he's a he's a great choice for Kojak. He yeah, he's bald and got the East Coast thing. He's also got that deep voice like Telly Savalas did, and I think he he's an interesting interesting pick. I just don't know if I can yawn wider at a Kojak movie. Like. Hey, who knows? You know, uh, you had said that kind of about Lone Ranger, and now you're kind of maybe sort of We'll interested. see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I think if you did Kojak, like, um, make it, you know, obviously it won't be like the TV show, and that the TV show was definitely a procedural, and there was a lot of talking. I was just watching one the other night. It's on late at night on some cable station. And, uh, I mean, I remember it as a kid just because it was one of those shows of, like, you know, set in New York when New York was a real sty mm-hmm. when that show was set there. So it was that whole era of, like, Death Wish and everything else. And so, uh, you know, Kojak was essentially, like, the cowboy cleaning up the town in a way. <laughs> and he's he's friggin' cool. He's a bald dude with lollipops and a catchphrase. <laughs> and he had that hat and those tinted cha- you know, tinted glasses and I'll tell you what, I'm way more excited about the Equalizer movie. Yeah, that that script made the blacklist of unproduced scripts and it's it's the guy who wrote um The Mechanic and Expendables too, but it's gonna be filmed in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> That's for me. We're all excited. <laughs> and uh Denzel and um, Nicholas Reffinding uh, from uh, Drive and uh, Nicholas Reffinding, something like that. Yes, <laughs> uh, um, I think that's the same. At least. Yeah, <laughs> and he's directing it, so that awesome. classes that up quite a bit. Yeah, Drive. Drive was uh, quite quite good. Um, let's move on here. Oh, little uh, little Avengers tidbit. There was a Q and A last night, which I was invited to, but couldn't make the screening. With uh, Joss Whedon showing a print of the Avengers, and um, he said that at one point, uh, because it looked like they weren't going to be able to get Scarlett Johansson for, uh, I assume, scheduling reasons, um, he had written a draft with Wasp as the female character, and like he just loved the character. He so said Wa- she was too cute, though, right? Like- yeah, like he wrote her as very cutesy. Um, so. You know, it's interesting to think of Wasp maybe being an Avengers and doing that like 
360 shot, but it's just a like little. <laughs> well, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Like, um, she would land on Hulk's shoulder. I'm sure. You know, we're gonna see Ant Man. I mean, so we're gonna get a sense of what that looks like in the Marvel universe. Well, anybody who was at um, uh, Marvel's panel last year at Comic Con got to see that really cool. Um, test footage, which they've said they they might release online. I don't think they have because we I, would. No, they're saving it for the Blu-ray um, vault release. Oh of the event, yeah. The, the yeah. Hopefully vault. this time, uh, you know, legal will do their due diligence <laughs> and make sure the cases. Although copyrighted. To be idiots. fair, who knew? You know, who knew that? I, like, I think that was anything happen. is copyrighted though. Like a particular shape is like the the chairs we're sitting in. I'm sure there's a patent on that type of seat back yeah um so yeah so that's what happens when you grow up kids people sue each other and it <laughs> sucks and then well, the rest of us are left there hanging <laughs> um wow so uh he For also the three su- kids that are listening to this yes. they, they learned something <laughs> wow <laughs> thanks adrian thanks jim go suck it <laughs> wow <laughs> um what I a hate rude, old people. What a rude child. <laughs> it was like i i still love that line and god gone baby gone where uh, Casey Affleck yells at the kid. It's, you know, obviously Boston uh, yells at the kid in the street. Hey, get off the street. Go F. You know, it doesn't, says the full word, but go F your mother. <laughs> I'm like, I knew kids like that growing up. I'm like, oh, that's just like home. That's sad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, one other Boston. thing that Whedon said about Avengers is that uh, he had a disagreement with Marvel about, just having Loki be the the main villain, he didn't think he was strong enough character. Uh, he's like, in, I'm paraphrasing his words here. He said they need someone to hit. Um, so there was a, a draft, or at some point in the the development of the story, where it was Loki and a second villain, and he wouldn't reveal the identity of the second villain because he says they'll probably use him in a future movie. Hmm. So I don't know if that's Thanos or. I don't think so. I that would have been that would have been an awful lot. To, I think they were probably keeping Thanos for the second movie, but probably yeah. would have been some Asgardian character. Yeah, because yeah. I, I can't see him coming to Earth and being like, "Let's team up," you know. It would just yeah. seem cheesy. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Discover go over the world. Let's go, bro. <laughs> Come at me, Avengers. <laughs> um, Muppets two. Ricky Gervais has signed a deal to play the human lead in the movie. The lead. Yes, the the actual uh, the the main human character. Oh yeah, yeah. Jason Siegel's not. Yeah, in this he's one. out. That's sad. Yeah. Is For a minute there, I thought it said the Human League, like the band from <laughs> is the eighties. Amy Adams out too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. As but it's a James Bobbin and uh, Nick Stoller. Bobbin is directing again, and he's co-writing the script with Stoller. They both did the first movie. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I think Ricky Gervais is an interesting pick. I mean, it's anybody who's seen his. Uh, his outtakes on YouTube with Elmo. It's pretty, sure. uh, it's pretty funny. It's embedded. I embedded it into our article about uh, Gervais joining the Muppets. So it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty funny actually. Um, let's see, Don of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Hello, this that, is Don. That old hag. Um, Don of the Planet of the Apes. It. James Franco says he's probably not going to be in the sequel. That they had talked to him when Rupert Wyatt, the original film's director, was. Still going to do the sequel. And then once he dropped out, Matt Reeves came on. He's like, I haven't heard from anybody. 
So he doesn't think he's actually going to be in it. I mean, they did kill off most of the humans uh, at the end of the first movie. So I don't think he needs to be in it. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think it's necessary for the story for him to be in it. But my guess is that he'll be in it in some small capacity. Like, well, like Heston was in the second movie. Yeah, I, I, I hope they do the same thing to where it's like James Franco blows up the Earth in order to stop the uh, the underground race of mutants. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's pray for that ending. Yes, yes. Um, let's see here. Oh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Jamie Foxx dropping the spoilers in interviews about the movie. He likes to do that. Um, if you guys are super sensitive about anything Electro-related, um, maybe skip ahead about four minutes. But um, he said that uh, Electro is not going to have a green and yellow suit, which I think we all That's assume. not really a spoiler there. Yeah. Huh? Uh, but he said it's probably going to it's going to be black and it might be some sort of like liquid rubber, which I guess if you're if you're electric that come in handy. Yeah. Um and then he said but the real spoilers were the the essentially the origin story. He gave away pretty much what Electro's deal is. He said that He's a uh, an electrician who's a lot of ideas for like big corporate stuff have been stolen, so he's kind of bitter and withdrawn, and uh, a real sad sack kind of character. And at some point, Spidey essentially asks him to be his like eyes and ears on the street. So, in his kind of delusional way, he thinks he's Spider-Man's partner. And then when stuff in his life goes south, you know, it's some tragic things happen. Uh, he uh. He becomes a full-on bad guy, hmm. and that he's kind of like the scientists are uh, kind of like experimenting on him or poking and prodding and how 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 do you work? How did this happen to you? Kind of thing. So, wow, I don't know, but so yeah, there's your there's your your electro stuff, and then some casting call notices uh, revealed a spoilers scene. There's going to be a funeral scene. Now, is this? Something related to Electro, like the probably, or or is it Gwen Stacy's death scene? I guess that's a possibility, but you know, because Mary well, Jane's in this one too. Could be at the end of this movie. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it won't be the Goblin, you know. Yeah, it won't be the Goblin that that it will be Harry. So I wonder if it will be like a takeoff on if, on if you're doing the true Gwen Stacy arc you have to have the goblin in yeah. there so you might have to wait for the third movie how do you do the goblin in this sort of more realistic universe i mean we all know the the, the backlash over the suit in the original spidey movie i think i think the way to do the goblin is honestly to not have him be able to be a human at any point in time, he's just got to be disfigured, and you know, yeah. like he just has to transform into the Goblin. And I would, I would transform in the way that like the Joker was transformed. You know, yeah. like that would be a realistic take on the Goblin. I just don't want him to be a, a, a poor kind of CG character the way Lizard was. I always loved the Lizard character in the books, and I, I liked what Reese fans was going for in the movie, but I didn't think the special effects of the lizard himself were that compelling. Uh, I, I didn't mind that actually. I thought the special effects were pretty decent throughout the movie. But I, mean, I guess the I, mean, I love the the end fight. I guess the, the low tower. point was some of the sort of like earlier lizard 
facial animations and stuff like that, but I don't know. Well, anytime you take um, effects and you kind of split them up between companies, you're always going to oh, get yeah. a mixed bag, you know? You can always see that, too. That I mean, we, Again, we've talked about this in past podcasts, but there are a lot of films where you can see, oh, this sequence looks really good. Oh, that one didn't look so <laughs> yeah. hot. I mean, even, even on Hobbit, um, and I've griped about this before with the digital orcs and everything, um, I did an interview some interviews with the cast and filmmakers recently and uh uh Joe Letary from Weta and Peter Jackson both addressed the idea of why did we do digital orcs and goblins this time and they wanted to essentially not be restricted to just the structure of the human face they wanted big eyes one over here one over there you know kind of long arms all, all that kind of stuff um and I I still stand by the digital orcs yeah, pulling me out of it. I agree. I agree. I I think that there is, you know, we've we've talked about the need for practical effects a bunch of times. Um, I mean, I think if CG is well done, it will transport you in the same way. And I I think the the <clears throat> the overarching thing is to have a director who understands the entire picture and is headstrong enough to be able to get what he wants out of all the effects houses and to make them work until they do the right thing. I mean, the other thing that's against every single director on Earth is the fact that there is a time limit to when you have to deliver the movie. Yeah. So if you are not getting what you need out of an effects house, you have to be able to put the right pressure on them at the right time to get the right look. And I think people like James Cameron can do it. Um, yeah, he's an 800-pound gorilla when he wants to be. But he also has a great eye. Exactly. Not everybody can do it. Yeah. Um, His uh, movies don't look uneven, though. uh, Yeah. I mean, he is is definitely a micromanager kind of guy. And I think that's kind of how you have to be. Same with Michael Bay, actually. Yeah. His movies look great across the board. Well, let's talk about uh, the new trailer for his next movie, Pain and Gain. No robots, no tanks. It... It just well, looks like an actual... The Rock looks like a tank. The Rock is a tank. He's a human tank. Uh, he's a man tank. <laughs> um, uh, he's a... Uh, it's uh, a caper with some comedy and uh, uh, crime and all that kind of stuff in there. It. <laughs> I thought it looked pretty fun. Yeah, I thought so too. And I, Great you know, cast. I mean, honestly, Rock, Mark Wahlberg, Mark Ed Harris, Wahlberg Anthony Mackie. Huge dude. Yeah, he's, he's... I just interviewed him last week or early this week or something and and uh yeah he's uh he's yoked man yeah, he got ripped for that um but yeah it's a cool trailer i thought um i thought it just looked uh, fun interesting i hope it doesn't go off the rails in the way that like bad boys does where they'll do these like stupid yeah. comedy asides where it's uh, just i bet it will it's just <laughs> like really tone deaf like bad boys 2 if you eliminated all the comedy, could have been one of the best action movies ever. Yeah, great action set pieces, but yeah, the was that the one where the pool floods into the house? Yeah, there's so I much like stupid crap. Yeah. crap in that movie, and it's yeah. like if if you can just get around, and that's why I think that's we were talking about Michael Bay movies we actually like yesterday, and one of the, that's one of the reasons I actually like The Island is because it couldn't in the world that it existed in it yeah. couldn't have that kind of stupid humor, and I think it benefited from that, and I think this movie would benefit from just some. Really light, subtle humor, sort of situational humor. Yeah, and and don't try to cram in all the Transformers stupid sight gags and ball jokes. Well, and stuff I think like that. Um, uh, you know it's got a great cast. Tony Shalhoub and Ed Harris are in there, and yeah, so I'm definitely uh, so far I'm 
pretty cautiously optimistic on pain and gain. Yeah, um, I mean, Tony Shalhoub looks awesome in that movie, and it's, it seems like a really juicy role for him, like something he's not gotten to do before. His, his young Alan Arkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like... Um, <laughs> that was an odd noise. You caught me mid... <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, like, if he's Crap, successful in this, I want to <laughs> see him get, like, the sexy beast roll afterwards. The sexy... <laughs> oh, my God, the dude at Bad Robot, the... Um, the effects guy that we were talking to totally looked like Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben sexy. Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Yes, he does want to be called Sir Ben. Everyone is warned. If Don't he... call him Ben. <laughs> call him Sir Ben. If, if he had listened to this I'm, podcast, I'm not you'd get a letter. Real. Yeah. Um, but this guy looked just like Kingsley That's and, awesome. uh, and Sexy Beast. And so we're all walking away. And I'm like, hey, can you do the F-bomb speech from <laughs> Don Logan's F-bomb speech? funny. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> told you this story before, but uh, <clears throat> back in the day. Um, you were uh, a British gangster? No, back in back in the day, uh, there one of the, one of uh, Elijah Wood's brother worked at this games company. Um, and I happened to be. Doing something at the games company, and all these like journalists there knew he was Elijah Wood's brother. And it was right a, right when like Fellowship of the Ring was coming oh, geez, out. Jeez, that had to be a rough time. <laughs> and so everybody was like just hounding this poor guy, like, "Would you like some Lambis bread?" <laughs> <laughs> like over and over. Oh, I felt man. so bad for him. Uh, he was a good sport about it, though. It was pretty funny. Yeah, and then he, and then he quit. <laughs> and then, and the rest is history. Um. Let's see. Let me just rattle off a few news items because I think you got to cut out a little early today. Uh, Mad Max uh, 4, the Fury Road, has wrapped filming. And um, it was filmed in primarily the desert of Namibia or Nambia. <laughs> N- Namibia. Namibia. I can see Namibia. I'm stupid. N- I'm Namibia. Sorry, folks. N- Namibia. Namib- yeah. yeah. And uh, South Africa. And. Um, then uh, there was this like celebrity gossip thing that went around about how Shelley Theron uh, just didn't like working with Tom Hardy. She said he was a quote weirdo because he would stay in character and like m- mutter to himself in between takes. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of believe it, but it's like, he, you know what, Shelley's. I love that. that. I love that kind of. She stuff. is such a prima donna. Sometimes uh, in interviews, like she'll go off on people demanding that her tea is too cold. And wow. Yeah, she's well, left me cold every time I've met her. I think um, she's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. You, but. you know, I mean, we we talk about this all the time, sort of internally, because you know, you get people on uh, days that are probably not their best sometimes, and sometimes you get people in situations where you know you don't know what had just happened with that person. Yeah, before sometimes you got into there's the room. An, an asshole that goes in there to interview. And, you know, look, sometimes when you go in for these interviews to, like, no personal questions, like not not that we would ever do that, but people will go ahead and violate these agreements anyways. And so they'll ask somebody about their divorce or, you know, uh, the guy right before me at the Miami Vice junket, because Colin Farrell had just been through rehab, asked him how his health was and all that. The worst was for the Golden Compass junket. Oh boy. Nicole Kidman uh was there. Guy sits down, first question, asked her about her miscarriage. What? Yeah. That was the end of it. She walked out, didn't do any more press. Are you what an serious? Asshole. Yeah. It's, wow, it's, it was, everybody was like ashamed to even be in that profession. That's that day. So, it's so out scummy. of bounds. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I've definitely had a situation with snakes on the plane. Um 
press line, I had uh, Samuel Jackson coming up. And this woman ahead of me, her photographer, her uh, cameraman had gone off to shoot B-roll someplace. And he was, and she was just being a weird diva the whole time. She's one of these people from like, you know, one of those like gossip magazines. Like a life and style kind of thing? Yeah, she wanted to ask all these stupid life and style questions. And he does not suffer fools, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he's, he seems like he's just go along to get along. So, homie, the photographer is <laughs> off there in the distance, like trying to trying to wrap up his B-roll. And the woman's the woman actually put up her finger, like stop to um to Samuel Jackson, like no. just wait a second. She's lucky. Does she still have that finger? <laughs> I was surprised he didn't just break it off and shove it in her <laughs> eye. But uh, but so he actually does wait for a second. He's like, he's like, oh, you're asking me to wait, you know, like kind of like was really wow. visibly offended. So she's like, the the cameraman like rushes up, and then she proceeds to ask him all these like just horrible lifestyle questions. Oh, and um, what a soulless a hole. And so like we got through like he, they, she got through like three questions. He's like, I'm done with this. Um, moved on to me, and then I'm like, so. Let's talk about samurai movies or something that I know you love. You know, like, <laughs> he was really cool in my interview. But sometimes that can totally affect the way your interview goes. Well, it affects the, the yeah. I mean, they they are in a pissy mood for the rest of the day. Then, um, did you see Samuel Jackson on Kimmel knocking Keenan Thompson for um, uh, like missing his cue or something? Because no. you know uh, Sam Jackson f bombed on Saturday Night Live. Oh no! He was doing that. What up with that skit uh, with uh, Keenan Thompson? Oh no, I didn't see that. And um, and I, he basically called out Keenan Thompson in the interview with Kimmel, saying, "Well, I'm used to working with professionals who can hit their cues and not leave me hang." Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Pretty, well, he he's pretty been nasty. talking a lot this week. Oh yes, he has. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> perfect segue. Ding. You get the bell for that one, Chris. Yeah. You pulled a gym. Um, he was, he's been, hey, <laughs> happy uh, new year. I didn't Who wants eggnog? There's a reason this is rated mature on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, it's all because of me. <laughs> Sam Jackson was slamming M. Night Shyamalan in an interview. He said that uh, Shyamalan's last good film was Unbreakable. Kind of tough to argue there. It's true. And some also, people like some people like signs. I like signs. Yeah, I like signs. I mean, maybe uh, maybe Sam hasn't seen there. Maybe he just thought the whole water thing was stupid. Or maybe know? he's like me and yeah, thought the whole water thing was stupid. Um, and then uh, he also said that you know because the reporter was asking him, it, it came from you know, are we ever going to see that Unbreakable two that people had talked about for like ten years. And he goes, well, if our, you know, brilliant director who said he was going to make three of them would actually do it. But he said that he, um, though I'm paraphrasing him, he actually said something that snarky. And then he also went on to say how, um, unlike Tarantino, who makes movies that he wants to see and he trusts that people find them cool, uh, Shyamalan thinks he's smarter than the audience, that he thinks he's so brilliant and that he got carried away too much with twist endings and everything. So basically, he said what a lot of people have been criticizing Shyamalan for. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think bottom 
bottom line, end of the day, Sam Jackson's a movie fan like you and I are, and I yep. think he sees the same things that people see. And and uh, the thing is, is he's got a platform to say it, and he's yeah. definitely not bashful. He's not, like I said, does not suffer fools. And, and you know, I, I could see him even working with Shyamalan again on Unbreakable 2 if they want to do that, but it's like... <laughs> At this point, also, I just feel like Shyamalan has swallowed his pride a little bit. He's he's approaching movies differently now. Yeah, I don't I think mean, he's I don't think he's like the same brazen individual who who was like that. My next movie, I I remember sitting down and watching the Sixth Sense DVD. And I was watching the special features, and he was talking about like his childhood movies, like they were reverent, you know, like pieces of art. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. And then he said he he was setting up Unbreakable, and he's like, this is the one that's gonna win me an Oscar. And I'm like, don't Are be you so shitty. Yeah, it's like don't be so presumptuous, dude. Yeah, I know he said wow. it. Wow. And what I was like, a oh, dick. I don't know, man. So, and you know, that's that. Oh, make sure wow. it comes out first, and people yeah. like it. <laughs> uh, we actually have a Shyamalan-related reader email. Uh, let me belt this out real quick. Um, Luke writes in that uh, um, he's a huge space opera nut, and he's psyched about Star Wars and Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, he knows that we talked about the After Earth trailer. That's Shyamalan's next movie, the one with Will and Jaden Smith. He knows we talked about it in the last podcast. I'm wondering if you guys were disappointed at all the way I was that the movie sets up intergalactic space travel and all this cool technology only to go back to a prehistoric-looking Earth that is far removed from the potential fun of exploring space and aliens and all that. Might be a budget thing. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, I... I, I also think that I have a feeling they're going for like a kind of a biblical metaphor thing with, you know... You're probably also going to get glimpses of it. It's not like going to be like solely set there, but I do think you're going to see a bunch of it. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm reserving my judgment on that movie because I just don't know enough about it. I don't, I really yeah, don't know how I, it's going to play out. I, I can see what he means, though. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you in that it's, it's more than likely just a budget thing. And uh, I believe they filmed that movie in... Um, Ecuador, somewhere in uh, Central or South America. I forget which country. Um, the movies are cheap to make down there, by the way. They are? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was, so yeah. do you think that'll be like the next uh, well, market they'll start? I don't know. Things in? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think sometimes it's a necessity to shoot in that kind of area, yeah. you know, just you've <laughs> got the jungle and stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, just rattle off a couple of news items. We don't have to comment on them. Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Uh, uh, crime Thriller 10 will be coming out January 24th, 2014. Uh, the Mummy reboot that Len Wiseman, the underworld director, is making is going to be a contemporary film Good. set in the United States. Although it's funny because you start thinking about, like, Underworld, which is what he's known for, and you know, it's like Mumderworld. <laughs> Mumderworld. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to do that rock. where it's going to be like they're they're going to be like more. Um, well, I mean, mummies are sentient, at least in the way that they were shown in the last movies. But uh, do that sort of thing, like with Underworld, where they're going to be like some warring tribe crap i don't know we'll see i don't think yeah. so it uh, might just be a straight monster movie where there's one really powerful mummy like kind it's of gonna be called the mummy colon straight up monsters 
<laughs> Coming soon to Sci-Fi I, Channel. I want to make a line of toys called Straight Up Monsters. <laughs> That's right. Marketed only in the Boston. OMs, the original monsters. <laughs> um, let's see. Spy Hunter director Ruben Fleischer has got Gangster Squad coming out. Uh, talked a little bit recently about the movie, about Spy Hunter. Uh, <clears throat> and he said that he really wanted to do a James Bond movie, but he doesn't think they'll ever hire an American director to make one. So Spy Hunter essentially is the best consolation prize um, that you could create your own spy series and invent your own mythology for it. Um, and by the way, they won't <laughs> like they won't be hiring any American directors. I do. I I do wonder if at some point they'll they'll cave on that, but. I don't know. You'd have to be an American with very, like, Euro sensibilities, I think. I just feel like they won't ever. I mean, at least... Think about it. If you're if you're a foreign director, you're like, oh, I got a shot, man. I got a shot. <laughs> Michael Apted got to do one, and it's like, he's, that was not his genre at all. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And he was thrilled to do it, by the way. Very, yeah. He was very, like, I when I talked to him at CES last year, he was like, oh, my God, so such an awesome experience. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, let's see. We've got opening up this week, Jack Reacher, the Tom Cruise movie. Uh, this is 40, Judd Apatow's new dramedy, The Guilt Trip, Seth Rogen, and Barbara Streisand. Hmm. And Monsters, Inc. 3D, the, re, uh, the 3D re-release. Oh, it's a that bad weekend for Monsters, Inc. 3D to come back. Um, and then there's some limited release ones, Zero Dark Thirty, playing just a handful of theaters, um, Cirque du Soleil, Worlds, Not Fade Away, that's David Chase's rock and roll, his first feature film. Uh, on the Road expands, and then The Impossible with this really critically acclaimed uh, movie about the tsunami in Indonesia. It's got Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts. So let's see. I think, obviously, Hobbit will hold number one. I'm going to say with $40 million. Okay. I'm going to say Jack Reacher, second place with fifteen. Mm-hmm. Third place, I'm. I think it's going to be neck and neck. I'm going to go. This is forty with thirteen million, and Monsters Inc. Just like off by a couple of hundred thousand, also in the thirteen million range. Uh, Monsters Inc. Fourth place. Heel Trip. Fifth place with ten. All right. I think we're going to get Hobbit um, at about forty-two million. Okay. And then we're going to get. Uh, this is forty. I think that's going to come in second. And I think it's going to do about $21 million. Okay. Um, Jack Reacher, I agree with you, $15. Um, and then beyond that, like Monsters, Inc., I, I think actually Guild Trip is going to do better than Monsters, Inc. I think okay. Guild Trip is going to do 12 and Monsters, Inc. is going to do about 10 Okay. Yeah, very well could. Um, now, we, we <laughs> obviously, we won't be back until the new year, so we'll have weeks to, to, to think about how either off or right on target we were <laughs> well i'll just be gloating or crying into my <laughs> we'll just stay off the internet cider. so nobody people will just forget maybe <laughs> um all right folks well that'll about do it uh oh wait a minute we never talked about our favorite movies of the year oh all right oh crap do you have a few minutes I know yeah you yeah, yeah. okay all right well we're gonna switch it up here then um uh, favorite movies of the year. Uh, some of my favorite movies of the year, and oddly enough, I had actually written this down. I was going to do a, a blog on this. Um, da, 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 da. Some of my favorites this year were actually um, 
smaller, so a couple of smaller movies. Um, I mean, for the big movies, I love Skyfall, Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, um, and uh, I liked Frank and Weenie a lot. I loved Ted, Wreck It Ralph, um, but some of the smaller ones that I really dug were like uh, Citadel, mm-hmm. Looper, Sound of My Voice, Argo. Yeah, uh, I love that one. Uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, Zero Dark great. Thirty, The Gray Chronicle. Um, Pick one. You just listed all the Head best Hunters. movies of the year. Uh, oh, Dread Three D, The Master. Uh, I'd say my favorite movie of this year. I loved Avengers. I love Dark Knight Rises. I love Ted. I'm going to say Skyfall. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say nice. Skyfall. I feel like that one delivered. For me, it delivered on every level. Um, I loved Avengers. I thought it was a lot of fun, but it's it's a great light meal. It's the, it's like the equivalent of a really good pizza. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, I loved, but it's a it's a it's a movie that definitely has its share of issues. Skyfall for me was um lived up to the hype that I had placed on it and and I just I just thought it was a perfect blending of action drama and and really helped save the Bond franchise from kind of hitting um it was a reboot you know the the series had been rebooted Quantum of Solace was a stumble and like it could have just kind of gone back into being a run of the mill Bond series but I I thought that uh, Sam Mendes and Judy Dench and Daniel Craig and and uh, John Logan, the writer, deserve deserve a lot of credit for really making that cool. Oh, and Javier Bardem. For me, you know, movies are uh, often you know just the transportation to a different place is is really important to me when I'm going to see a movie. And like, no movie made me feel just better than Avengers, like in every yeah. way. You know, it, like. It, the action was cool. It delivered on promises that I didn't think it could. Um, it was balanced. It was funny. It was exciting. I cared about the characters. So I think for me, like gratuitous nudity, nudity. <laughs> I mean, you were everything you wanted in the movie. Yeah, I, I I loved Avengers. I would say that's my number one. But um, I, I also loved Wreck It Ralph quite a bit. I thought that movie was just really really yeah. well done. Um, oh, Paranorman's another good one. Paranorman was good, but I, I thought Wreck It Ralph was just. Uh, just everything I wanted out of that movie as well. And then, you know, and for the smaller stuff, I, I would still put Avengers as my movie of the year. But for the smaller stuff, I thought Safety Not Guaranteed was really good. Yeah. I also agree Headhunters is something that people should check out. It's a nasty little awesome movie. Yeah. Um, should check out Sound of My Voice. That's a really I, good I haven't one. even seen that. So, yeah, I yeah. want to check that out, too. I think it's coming out in video uh, pretty soon. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think those are my movies of the year. And I like I said, I haven't seen Hobbit yet. And I sadly have not seen Skyfall yet. Much oh my to my God, much man. to my discredit. Right, on your holiday break, I'm giving you homework. Yes, I'm actually <laughs> giving my boss homework. You have to see these two things. Yeah, I know. I have to see Skyfall for sure. Um, uh, one last news item I just see: Anchorman Two, Anchorman: The Legend Continues, now set to open, pretty much a year from this week. This year from today, probably uh, December twentieth, twenty thirteen. Yep, if we make it. If we, if we make it. Um, all right, folks. Well, thank you for listening to us all year. Um, thank you, for if as you always, did. for your, your reader email. You can continue to send it at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Give us a shout-out over on iTunes. 
And uh, again, um, we hope you guys have a a, a good uh, break from us and a happy <laughs> new year. And again, thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye bye, guys.